What's up, y'all? It's Meme Lord Monday, and I'm your host, Matt Matias. Me and my buddy Mike have been making memes for years, and now we interview Christian content creators and talk about culture and just goof off with our friends and guests and everyone. So today's guest is a page by the name of The New Evangelicals, and the owner of that page is my buddy Tim. Tim's page is basically dedicated to helping those who are deconstructing uh, those who are wrestling with their faith and feel as though they need to re-examine where they're coming from. And uh, it's basically a big movement that's happening within Christianity right now. So I've been wanting to talk with him for a while as to what he deals with, his his views, and things like that. So with that being said, this podcast might be a bit more uh, difficult for some to process because this the, some of the views that Tim has are not conservative. Uh, they might be viewed as uh, not orthodox or not the norm of evangelical Christians because he actually is dealing with people coming out of evangelical Christianity in America. So uh, with that, I just wanted to put that out there because if dealing with these issues is something that brings up difficult emotions um, or, or just hurtful feelings, you might want to pass on this episode. Uh, but for those who are interested in hearing an opposing view and uh, maybe hearing just a different side or a different uh, angle of what people are dealing with, I highly recommend this podcast and this episode. We had a great time talking about some really interesting things that people are currently dealing with with, Christ- with Christianity. Uh, Tim is a Christian, and um, I'll just let him introduce himself here. Hi, everyone. <laughs> My name is Tim. I'm the creator of the New Evangelicals. I'm a follower of Jesus. I've been a follower of Jesus Jesus my entire life. I've been a committed Christian. I was homeschooled for nine years. I have all the Christian badges. Um, and I run this community that I've created uh, a year ago. We have 16 volunteers who help us do it. We're on podcasts, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok. We do community events, um, the whole nine. So that's what I do. and That's who I am. During our conversation, I told Tim that I personally hold to conservative values and will definitely not agree with everything that he's sharing. However, the point of our conversation was to hear each other out and to give Tim the opportunity to share why he believes what he believes. So I I think it's a huge blessing to hear that you are, you right off the gate said, I am a follower of Jesus and I have been since I was a kid. That's awesome. What is deconstruction? What even is that? Well, it depends on who you ask. You know, it's a very broad term. It's like saying, what is music? Yeah. Well, if you ask you know, Bob Dylan that question versus like some person off the street who doesn't play an instrument, you'll get very different answers, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, For our context, for how the New Evangelicals talk about it, uh, deconstruction is, re- is taking things that you were taught as absolutely true, absolute fundamentals of life and of the faith, and, and re-examining them and asking, are these absolute truth? Is this the only way to see this issue? Um, and, and you know, are there other ways to see these issues historically, both in the Christian tradition and outside of it? Uh, so that's how we, we talk about deconstruction. Mm. Yeah, and I would you say that there's like a phenomenon going on right now, or do you, would you say that this is something that's always happened like, where did this term come from? It almost seems like it's emerging. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, the idea of rethinking the uh, your your faith and pushing a church forward sounds a lot like Martin Luther, <laughs> you know, and and Paul in the Bible, right? I mean, progression, things moving forward, it's it's part of life. Things move forward, things do progress. You can't escape that. I mean, Martin Luther, for example, wanted to to reform the Catholic Church from the inside out. He got kicked out and launched the Reformation with a few people, you know, and, and here we are now th- praising Luther as as a Bible believing good Christian, even though the Catholic Church tried to kill him. Mm. So people rethinking their faith and holding the church accountable when it's really misstepped is quite historical. Um, you know, as far as the term deconstruction, yeah, I, ha- I haven't heard that term before. Uh, I'm sure it's been used, but yes, there's certainly um, a spirit of the age, so to speak, right? There's some kind of air, some, something in the air of, of people like all kind of waking up to this. And I think social media really helps. Mm. You know, back when like the emergent church was big, so this is Rob Bell, mm. Brian McLaren, people like that. They had books and they were definitely widespread, but they didn't have Instagram, Facebook, viral videos and stuff in the same way. So I think that that social media has really helped get a lot more perspectives out there that maybe you wouldn't be exposed to. So certainly I think that we are in the wave of something. And um, I think that we're just getting, I think it's just getting started, honestly. Mm. One thing I've noticed, it, like like I mentioned, it seems like it's emerging from the church. It's something that's like Matt Chandler recently called it something that's new and sexy. Uh, and you had yeah. a response to that. If you could, would you be able to like elaborate? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, Matt Chandler called deconstruction sexy for some people. I think that's a really big um, caricature. I think it's not true. Mm. Um, people who are deconstructing, again, I want to be specific in our circle. So I can't speak for every other account or every other person who's deconstructing, but we've gotten over 10,000 DMs the past year. Mm. Okay. So, so I'm speaking about these kinds of messages. You know, there's nothing sexy about what people are going through right now. They are disoriented. They are full of anxiety. They've lost their faith communities. Uh, they've been asked to leave their churches because people, they're too radical or whatever it is. Um, people have no community. They are desperately looking for people who can just listen to their story. They're victims of major abuse in the church. I mean, sexual, physical, mm-hmm. mental, um, people who came out to their pastor as queer and being told you're an abomination, you have to leave. I mean, this is what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. So there is certainly nothing sexy about deconstruction. I, I personally lost my faith community uh, this past year um, oh, over man. the new evangelicals, you know? So, so this idea that, you know, we're just doing it, as Joshua Ryan Butler would say, for for street cred, he's the author of a Gospel Coalition article that made that comment that people who are deconstructing are doing it for street cred. Honestly, I I don't curse on people's podcasts, but it's BS. Um, And we're not doing it for that. We're doing it because... Again, in my circles, in our circles, we really want to be faithful to Jesus, and we believe that the evangelical church in America, particularly in our context, the white evangelical church, is continuing to stray farther and farther from the mandate of loving God and loving their neighbor. Mm. Yeah, I mean, so like I said this on the live, because uh, you and I were on a, an Instagram live on our page recently, and um, yeah. I feel like, and this is what I said, I said, I feel like I deconstructed before it was cool, so to speak. But yeah, yep. you're right. It's it's not cool. Because um, there's a lot of pain with that. Um, having grown up the same as you, like I was raised in a Christian home. I was homeschooled for a ton of my education. And mm-hmm. like there came a point where I was like, who am I and what do I believe? Is it what I've yep. been taught this whole time? Or, uh, you know, is it something else? So in that process of maturation, I think people of our age group, I'm guessing you're a millennial like myself, <laughs> Yeah. that yep. it's part of growing up. You just question 
where everything comes from so you can have something of your own to hold in your hand and say, this is what I believe and I'm that I'm willing to die for. Yeah, um, I think that's true. I think a lot of people have been thinking about this for a lot of years. I think now it's coming to the surface, mm. but me in particular, I mean, I've been rethinking what is church for over a decade with people, having these conversations offline. I've, I had a podcast before all of this, you know, called Coffee Theology and Jesus. We talked about Trump in 2016. We talked about this stuff. So I think for a lot of people, it might be somewhat new, but I think what's new is how public it is, not so much the thoughts that we've been thinking about. Yeah, I like that because it is. It's like we have more means to to talk with each other and communicate with each other. And everybody's like, wait, you too? <laughs> You've been thinking about this right. too? Right. I don't know where right. I would have been um, if I back in 2009 when I when I deconstructed, if I ha- would have had it. Yeah. Like I, I had uh, like a physical community that – um, that God blessed me with where um, a pastor and his family kind of took me under their wing and just allowed me to reconstruct basically within their household. They like let me come over every weekend, go to their church. And just through the experience I had with them, I was like, you know what? This is a real Christian house. They really love God. And it, God used that to minister to my heart. And mm-hmm. here I am. Like I feel like my faith became stronger because of it. Um, yeah. But I, what I hear these other guys saying, I guess me being the devil's advocate or representative here, they're saying sure. that deconstruction is sexy and some are even calling it like of uh, the devil is because what you're seeing yeah. is a lot of people deconstruct and completely falling away from the faith. Um, and they're they're doing like a one to one where it's like, well, they're deconstructing, they're walking away from the faith. So therefore, deconstruction is evil. Uh, I mean, what are your mm-hmm. thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I mean, first off, we should definitely be clear. There definitely are people who have said, hey, you know what? Christianity isn't for me. I'm leaving. Mm. Um, I'm not a gatekeeper. I know it's not my job to, to gatekeep those people. I, I wish them the best in their journey. Some people go right into atheism. I understand. I've interviewed people who have done that. Mm. Um, my, my hunch, though, is that the vast majority of people who are doing this are really doing it to understand and, and their faith better. Now, the problem for gatekeepers, evangelical gatekeepers, comes when we start landing outside of what they think is comfortable. When you start landing outside of Calvinism or Arminianism, when you go queer inclusive, mm. right? All of a sudden now, okay, Tim, you've lost your faith. I don't think I have it all. I love my faith. I, I, I think it's more beautiful than ever. Mm. But a Matt Chandler might say, sorry, you're outside the bounds of orthodoxy because you're, you are gay affirming, essentially. Mm. So I I think that I think when we talk about falling away from the faith, we have to be specific. I think what people are really saying a lot of times, not every time, is that, oh, you're falling away from the evangelical heritage that we gave you, and we're scared of that. But the reality is the Christian faith is much bigger, much more diverse, and much wider than American conservative evangelicalism. It just is. And so to us, it might not be because that's all we know. But once you start opening that door out of the basement of evangelicalism, the house of Christian thought really starts coming into view, and it is big and diverse and vast. The internet is more accessible than it's ever been, and with that has come an absolute pandemic of people addicted 
to pornography. This addiction statistically is affecting Christians and non-Christians alike. It's a problem. Porn is a human problem, but Covenant Eyes provides a human solution. Covenant Eyes helps you and the ones you love live porn-free through transformative accountability relationships. With Covenant Eyes, you choose someone that you know and trust to walk with you as your ally and to hold you accountable for your online behavior. Me and my friends use it, and I've seen it firsthand break the bonds of addiction in people's lives. This stuff works. So basically what you do is you download the Covenant Eyes app, it tracks the activity on your devices, and your friend who's your ally gets a victory app which shares your activity feed right to their phone. You and your ally will be able to celebrate victories together and have honest and caring conversations about your successes, setbacks, and triggers. Nothing works better than this. If you struggle with pornography addiction online and you're ready to see some victory in your life, download Covenant Eyes and use promo code MONDAY for 30 days free. Try it out. I've gotten so many success stories from this app, and that's why I'm so happy that they've chosen to sponsor Meme Lord Monday. Again, that's Covenant Eyes. Use the link in the show notes of this episode and use promo code MONDAY for 30 days free. Victory over addiction has never been easier. And so what I did after this was read him basically what's called a foundational doctrine of Christianity uh, known as the Nicene Creed where it talks about everything that the church as a whole has agreed upon. And he affirmed everything. But here's, here's what's interesting about this, right? People will say that you're not orthodox, Tim. And then they, they'll, they'll quote the Nicene Creed. I'm like, yeah, that says nothing about human sexuality, nothing about, about eternal conscious torment. Mm-hmm. So like, that's what's so interesting is like, once you start talking about things that are outside of the evangelical realm, you're outside of orthodoxy, even though the creeds that they like to cite say nothing about a lot of these topics, <laughs> like almost nothing. You know, you won't, did that say anywhere? And sex can only be between a man and a woman in, in monogamous marriage for life. No, it did. Did it say that eternal conscious torment is the only way to view hell? No, it didn't. So there's certainly room to debate those things and still be orthodox. Mm. Or can we coexist? You know, right. I mean, all this heretic calling is like, it really comes out of this fundamentalism that a lot of us grew up in of like, we have the absolute truth. We have, you hear this a lot in Calvinist circles, no offense, Matt, you know, what's the true gospel? Oh, that's a false gospel. Mm. This dichotomy is really code for our our view of looking or, you know, the, the lens that we see these things through um, more often than not. So this is exactly where Tim and I would disagree. He affirms something called universalism, meaning he doesn't believe in the normal eternal conscious torment that most evangelical churches would affirm. He also affirms uh, a homosexual lifestyle as being consistent with Christianity, which I do not. Which that leads us to the question, can someone believe the things that Tim believes and still be a Christian since they are technically what's considered secondary issues. I'm not here to answer that question for you. I'm just a meme podcast. (laughs) All I'm trying to illustrate here is that we can have these massive differences in opinion and still talk to each other in a civil manner. And that's really what I want for us as Christians. Let's talk to each other without dehumanizing one another. That's it. So as part of this podcast, we always have a section where the guest is able to interact with our live group. And so we kind of bombarded him with a bunch of questions. And here they are. But let's start easy. Um, Star Wars or Star Trek? Uh, Star Wars. Mm. For sure. Interesting. And Marvel over Star Wars. Just so Let's go. Let's go. Amen. <laughs> okay. So let me see. We got another question. On what basis do you affirm the various elements of the Nicene Creed? Mm, I wonder what that means. 
I mean, I grew up in that tradition, so I affirm it. I don't know. I mean, we, I guess the Bible, but again, we debate everything in the Bible. Not really sure what they're getting at, but probably, it's part of my tradition that I affirm. They're probably just trying to get you to become Catholic, man. These guys are ruthless. <laughs> These Catholics in here, man, they're like, become Catholic. No, it's fine. <laughs> you know, the, honestly, to be transparent, that stuff is pretty flexible for me. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I actually interviewed Trip Fuller again, the guy who said that he did, he, he'd rather be an atheist than a Calvinist. Yeah. I brought him on to talk about the, the virgin birth and other things, you know, and like, you can make arguments about it. So I do have a question for you that I've had on my mind, I guess. Um, when it comes to deconstructing Christians and those who would call themselves an evangelical and would be within your circles, I, I mean, yeah. maybe not your circle specifically, but maybe like in the maybe broader social media uh, lens, usually sure. people that are doing this would con- would uh, will deconstruct into uh, liberal politics and will go the opposite ah. and and they'll yes. be Marxists or socialists or, or communists even. Um where you know and and that's where a lot of people that are conservative will be like well that's why deconstructing is horrible because obviously all of them are marxists they're all communists um where where like when when did that happen and why do you think that is that whenever somebody's deconstructing they um almost always or i guess (laughs) the way that people see it seem to lean more liberally than than conservatively Okay, well, first, of that, first, I think we should be clear. I have yet to meet anyone personally or know of anyone in my circles who is a self-proclaimed Marxist or communist now because they've deconstructed. Mm. So I think that's very important. And I'm not, I'm not correcting you, Matt, but I am going to say that, that that terminology is intentionally used by right-wing politics mm-hmm. to really demonize entire groups of people who aren't even claiming to be that way. So what would happen is someone might say, oh, Elon Musk should pay his fair share in taxes. And then a Charlie Kirk would say, oh, see, that's socialism. It's really not. So um, a lot of times what I would say is, so I do believe that Christians should be engaged in their in their politics in any country that they live in, okay? The question is, what are we advocating for? If you read the Sermon on the Mount, if you read Jesus, if you read, you know, in Luke, I've come to liberate the oppressed and, and I'm good news for the poor, that, that should inform how we advocate for policies that hopefully stand for all of human flourishing, right? So I do think it's important to be politically engaged. How we're engaged, I think, is what matters. Personally, I'll just speak from my own experience— When you start realizing, and this is just, again, my thoughts, but when you start realizing that in America, we have 8% of the world's population, we own 30% of the world's wealth, and we still can't make universal health care happen. Okay, something isn't right with that picture. If if every other, almost every other industrialized nation can do it, and most people, even the conservatives, like in the UK, love their universal health care. For some reason, we can't do it here. Why? Now, if that just happens to be a more liberal policy, so be it. But as someone who wants to advocate for loving my neighbor and knowing that in America specifically, our healthcare system is ridiculously screwed up as, as regarding premiums, co-pays, out-of-pocket costs, you know, um, your insurance being tied to your job, also not normal for a lot of other people in other countries. That starts making you just rethink like, well, how does a, a society like that, how is it structured and who does it benefit? And when you look at the data from COVID, when you see the Elon Musks and the, you know, um, Jeff Bezos of the world, 
who have increased their wealth exponentially while people on the front lines have had stagnant wages, can't afford their bills. And then there's an entire media, right-wing media machine demonizing those people for not going back to work for, for, for lame, terrible wages that aren't even livable, right? All of a sudden, you start realizing that you say, hey, I think that's wrong. And then people label you liberal. I mean, that, that, that's kind of how it happens, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, a lot of us are just pushing against, I would argue, personally, the hyper-conservative, far-right perspective of unbridled corporatism, not even capitalism capitalism now, but corporatism mm. um, that has totally wrecked our country as far as wages go. I mean, the data is so clear. You can you can trace it back. You know, wages for the working class are stagnant. The rich are getting richer. The wealth gap is larger than it was in ancient Rome. That is a problem. People aren't dead up to their eyeballs. So as a Jesus follower, how do I advocate for my neighbor, the lady down the street, the single mom with two kids working four jobs just so she, so she can pay rent, right? How do I advocate for policies that help her, that advocate for her, right? And there's plenty to go around. There is no scarcity in the world. There's enough for everyone. But people, systems make scarcity. So I think that's how that happens. We just start kind of waking up to the reality that my steady diet of Rush Limbaugh that I grew up on, which I did literally eight, you know, for three hours a day as a kid, it just starts to re- – you start thinking – you go, this isn't making sense. This, this this is not adding up anymore. Something something must change. And then once you say that, people label you liberal, socialist, communist, Marxist, etc. So I challenged him on this by saying, what about those that believe that personal responsibility and personal culpability of your own life uh, is also a scriptural principle, as many would understand it? Especially where it says in Thessalonians, where if you don't work, you don't eat, which Basically, this is what I believe um, one of the foundational views of uh, conservatism or traditionalism. I could be wrong. I'm very politically ignorant, to be honest. But this is what he had to say in response to that. Can I go ahead? Can I respond yeah, to that go really for quick? It. You know, this is a great example of how our culture influences how we read the Bible. What does it mean to work? Mm. Do you think the author of the Bible had you go to a job and clock in and work eight hours a day, a 40-hour work week? No, that wasn't even a thing. You know, so we just assume by not working, you don't eat means, oh, if you don't participate in the capitalist society in, in our country, you shouldn't be able to eat. That's not all that verse is even talking about because that, that, that culture wasn't even that person's head. People work all the time. I work today. You work. I mean, we work in all different kinds of ways. But what I would say, um, you know, in regards to this idea of socialism, that has been a, that's effectively become another boogeyman term. You know, there's democratic socialism. There's different kinds of socialism. America does have a form of socialism. What do you think we did when the government bailed out all the corporations in 2008? That would be a form of socialism. But 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 certain people have defined the terms to mean a very specific thing. So once we talk about you know health care that is subsidized by taxpayers, all of a sudden we're talking about a socialist takeover when many industrialized capitalist societies have some form of that and operate just fine. The UK is a great example of this. So I just think we have to really understand how effective a particular political movement and also a media conglomerate has been in taking those terms and defining them in very specific ways to make it seem like, oh, this is the only way it could be. But I mean, America has socialism, man. It's for Elon Musk. The guy pays no taxes. You know, like like it's already in a sense socialism. I'm using that term so lightly. It's already here. It's already here. We, ha- we all have that to a degree. I guess we're, that we're circling back to Christian nationalism because it's like people say that, you know, America is the greatest country on earth because of they feel like genetically 
the the founding fathers affirmed Christianity. They wrote God into the Declaration of Independence, you know, uh, into our money. And so there's a lot of kind of confirmation bias there when they see, well, the my dollar bill says in God we trust. I'm not going to trust in no government. I'm not going to trust in, you know, a, a, a handout. And so that's, I think that's the mindset. I mean, what are your thoughts as far as, you know, what to do with that? I mean, in, in, in God we trust was added to our currency in the 1950s, I think, or okay. 1940s. <laughs> you know, same with the Pledge of Allegiance, under God. I mean, th- these are new things. I'm blanking on the book title, but there's a great book about this that talks about how capitalism and corporatism got in bed with Christian thought in the early 1900s that really shapes a lot of this public faith life that we have. Yeah. And the founding fathers, it's debated with the, what, you mean, what you mean by Christian. I mean, Thomas Jefferson mocked the resurrection, you know. Uh, maybe they were deists, yeah. but the idea that, you know, like George Washington is like, ah, as a Jesus. Jesus follower, I'm going to write this constitution. I mean, it's just, it, 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 that is folklore. That's American mythology. It just is. I'm not saying that that the founders might not have had a framework of deism or some kind of theistic view, but a lot of what we, what, what, what we hear now about our founding, I think it's more myth than fact, frankly. Mm. Wow. I didn't know that. I honestly thought, like, I, I was under the impression that that was always there in the money. Me too, till I read it. <laughs> I'm like, what? No one told me this? That's really... <laughs> and so, by the way, that, that that just shows, like, whenever that conversation comes up, oh, the liberals want to take God out of the pledge, it was never there to begin with. It was added, like, hundreds of years later. Mm-hmm. So this stuff is flexible, is all I'm trying to say. I I really struggle with understanding politics and how, and, and how far Christianity should uh, reflect... Yeah. In our politics, because you can, there's no way you can, there's no possible way you can legislate morality. There's no way, you know, it's just, it's like, how do you live in a nation that not only protects what you believe, but also uh, reflects something that, that is in keeping with the value of human life and, and in in that regard, I guess. So just a couple of thoughts on that. First off, I think it's a, it's a very good, fair question. And we have to, as Tim Mackey from the Bible project would say, we have to use God's wisdom, mm-hmm. right? Partner with God and his wisdom to make wise decisions. I love that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I interviewed someone a while ago named Samuel Duth, who's a pastor at Awakened Church. They're a pretty far right anti-vax church. And, you know, he told me that 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 you know he stands for American freedom. I said, "Well, freedom for who?" I said, "Do you support um, the queer community being able to get married?" No. Okay. And we kind of we kind of like, we kind of like went down the list, right? Like, well, really, it's freedom for you is what you're talking about, and not for other kinds of people, right? So I think we have to recognize that, like, you know. Are these policies helping humans? Are, are, are they promoting human flourishing? Mm-hmm. That's an important, I think, metric for me, right? Is like, is, is limiting who gets tax rights as a married couple, you know, is that helping people? No. Um, is expanding access to health care helping people? Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is helping people, right? And I also think, too, we have to recognize, and I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paint a picture for you and for the audience. We have to understand that American evangelicalism is the most privileged group of Christians to ever walk the face of the planet ever in history, yeah. okay? There are 380,000 churches in America. We have our own worship industry. We have our own crappy movie industry. We have our own merch. We have our own churches. They're nonprofits. They're not taxed by the government. We win at the Supreme Court consistently whenever it comes to religious freedoms, consistently. And this idea that at any day now, you know, some liberal communist Marxist named AOC is going to kick down the door of the government and say, all right, 
no more Christianity, give me your Bible, give me your guns, we're burning your churches down, is myth. It is fear-mongering. Christians are the dominant power group in American, period. They help help elect the president. They are one of the biggest groups, period, that help elect people. And so we have to recognize that in America specifically, Christians, on my view, are kind of like uh, the the people in Wally. They've been sitting so Mm. long. They're totally overweight, right? They're munching just on junk, and they think like, you know, the world revolves around them. And we just need a real wake-up call to realize that we have amazing privileges at the expense of other religious groups in America. And we have to wake up. We just That's have to. That's a meme. I'm going to make that meme. <laughs> it's all you, bro. <laughs> the Wally thing. Don't even give me cred. Aww. I'm graceful like that. <laughs> That's dope. Yeah, I mean, and it makes me wonder, it's like, is it a good thing? Because I've heard that too. It's like the reason we have these policies is where it's at in America today is because we have a Christian nation and we, uh, you know, it's it's like, it's almost like a circular th- reasoning where it's like we have to protect America because America makes Christianity great and Christianity is great because America. And and that's, I think the part of people that are extreme Christian nationalists, like it's almost like Christianity is empire Mm -hmm. and God doesn't like empires. God has chosen sides in the Bible. Mm. He destroys the empire in Exodus. Mm. Okay. He, he literally drowns the main King of the empire. Jesus was crucified by the empire. Paul subverts the empire. Jesus is Lord, not Caesar. Mm -hmm. The Bible does not like empire. Solomon's critiqued for becoming the very thing that they were liberated from. So we have to understand, like, when Christian thought gets in bed with empire, it's ugly, and in my view, it's not God-honoring. Okay, so obviously this podcast gets a little political, and I want to just take a second to let you guys know, I don't want this podcast to be a political podcast as a whole. But we go there in this episode because this is what Tim deals with on a daily basis, and he expresses a lot of opinions here. So we just kind of let the chips fall where they may here. So it's... I would have more grace for people who were like, hey, we're trying to better people, but this is more we have to protect from the other, which is anything that is not specifically a Christian nationalist. And that's why it's so dangerous. And we've seen this before, by the way. We've seen it before. It never ends well. January 6th was only a taste of what's to come if we don't nip it in the bud. Straight yeah, up. I mean, so Straight there's up. a lot of people that I, that would say what happened on January 6th, they would say that that was a good thing in order to maintain our freedom. Like the people should be the ones that maintain the government and keep the government in check, quote unquote. And so they would say, yeah, it was a great thing that happened. We, we need to rise up yep. and, and take down the government. Um, right. Honestly, when I think about that, like the liberal libertarian inside of me is kind of like, ah, oh, well, uh, but I don't know. I honestly don't know. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Should the government, should the people be stronger than the government or should the government be stronger than the people? Well, now we're really in politic territory. We're not in biblical territory. You're not going to find like 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 a one for one correlation mm. here because the, a democracy, how we experience it, wasn't around in, when the Bible was written. I mean, Paul was under like tyrannical rule, under empire, right? The Jewish people were under the thumb of the government, um, and and they didn't advocate for a takeover. I mean, some wanted to, but Jesus certainly didn't, right? That's why he was so surprising. But in regards to the people who would say January sixth was a good thing, the big problem with January sixth, and I will say this until the day I die, was that it was based on a lie. It was not true. Donald Trump, who is a product of white evangelicalism, 
pushed this narrative and white evangelicals supported it along with QAnon. It was all in bed with each other. Eric Metaxas holds a rally a couple a couple weeks before everything happens. Um, and and they stormed the Capitol thinking that the that the election was stolen based on bogus non-existent evidence. I mean, it just doesn't exist. What we are seeing now, though, we are seeing the the, the PowerPoints that are coming out from people um, in the government at the time of Trump where they had a whole plan on how to reclaim the election. I mean, it is scary stuff. So as far as democracy goes, that was not democracy. That was a lie that really that was fascism. I mean, if you read the book, How Fascism Work, Works by, I think it's Jason Stanley, it is like, it's scary how many of the elements of fascism were at play during the Trump presidency and into the into the when the insurrection happened, but what's most concerning to me was all of the Christian um, iconography there. Mm. You know, the Jesus saves flags, the Christian flag in the uh, in the Capitol building, the prayer to Jesus, thanking him for this opportunity. What, I'm not so much concerned about about people doing violent things. I mean, people do violent things. I'm concerned when our faith is used as a reason to do violent things. Mm. That's when, for me, I get very, very nervous. And we're only going to see more of this in my perspective. I hope it doesn't happen, but I think there's a real... Christian nationalist vibe of our country's under attack. We have to protect it at all costs, even if that means using violence. I, I, I'm afraid to say it, but I think we're going to see more to come. Yeah, I, I have my concerns about it. And like you yeah. said, if there's if if the Christian flag is being raised during all this, I really have my concerns. Um, but yes. like you know, I still mention as I I still hold the fact that yeah, maybe there is some truth to what they were trying to do, but. What's more concerning is the people, like I said, people dying, people getting hurt, and also the fact that there was, and I will affirm this with you, there was tons of manipulation that led up to this. I don't think there's any court support for that the whole election fraud and all that. I think like it's just it's a rabbit trail and it is conspiracy. It is straight up conspiracy. Yeah. There's no way around it. The conservative Supreme Court found nothing. Yeah. Every lawsuit that was found found nothing. Rudy Giuliani lost his license over it. I mean, I, I don't want to belabor the point, but if you're out there and you think the election was stolen, I'm sorry. You are believing a delusion. Yeah. It is not the case. And, and to see Christians falling for it and prophets using God to justify, you know, nonsense, that's what gets me so aggravated. That's what got me so riled up is to see our beautiful faith, the way of the nonviolent, right? The the way of, of loving our neighbor, the way of the suffering. The Bible's written from the underside of, of the world. To see it hijacked and used for power and to oppress and to become the very thing it's not designed to do, man, it just it, it really like it concerns me big time. It's part of why I started doing evangelicals, honestly. Yeah, I mean that's that's what has me concerned is when I hear Christians just default to conspiracy. It's like, well, you know, it's all they have the Democrat Democrats have control. It's all because the, the liberals are are controlling everything. It's these big companies, it's big tech, it's big pharma. They're all controlling it. Yeah. And it's like, dude, yeah. are you are you here? Are you here with us? Are you on the planet right now? Because right. like right. that's that really concerns me to see Christians, um, my Christian brothers and sisters, you know, be in such fear. Uh, the Bible says that. You know, God has not given us a spirit of fear. He's given us a spirit of, of he's given us a sound mind. And conspiracy, yeah. first of all, it, there's no support. It makes no sense. It's confusing. Um, why people dig so deeply into this? And I, I forgive me, but like so many boomers commit to the, themselves to this heavily. 
Um, no doubt. And it's sad because why are you guys spending so much time that you should be spending, like you said, loving people, teaching the Bible? Yeah. I think that's why yeah. people are de- deconstructing from the church because the churches are literally becoming political platforms. Uh, pastors are committing themselves to conspiracy theories. They're, they're basically yep. Alex Jones from the pulpit. It's like, where's the Bible? Where's the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Like, right. y'all are completely missing the point. And that's, that's what I don't And there's like. no repentance. There's no yeah. repentance. I mean, we're not, we haven't heard, uh, you know, I haven't heard from Franklin Graham yet. <laughs> hey, you know what? I was really wrong on, on my overwhelming support for Trump. It was a bad idea. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's not going to happen because evangelicalism doesn't repent mm. corporately. You know, we're told to repent for individual sins. If you look at porn, you need to repent. Okay. But when it comes to corporate things or, or leaders, you know, eh, eh, we just forget about it. We just kind of move on. Mm-mm. Nope. I, who wants? I, I don't want to be, be part of a faith movement that is centered on those things. In my view, to speak Calvinist language, it's a false gospel. <laughs> Man, I'm not going to lie, dude. I had myself a cage stage that was mighty fierce. <laughs> Those days are long gone, but dude, I look back at some of my comments that like or or posts that come up in my memories. I'm like, oh, dude, same. I cringe. I'm like, oh god, like delete, delete. (laughs) Oh no, man. Yeah. So, dude, I really appreciate you, man. I I, what I appreciate what you've done lately, especially, is now that we're in holiday season, and you're basically taking on like a a counselor position where it's like, hey guys, a lot of you are struggling with your faith due to xyz and it's going to be tough at these holiday venues and and family gatherings so you know you're kind of coaching and counseling them to kind of handle these these really difficult conversations these dinner table talks um is there anything you just want to say to people that are experiencing this deconstruction or anything you just want to add um to that i'm sure I mean, you're definitely not alone. You know, it's it's normal, and you should you should rethink your Christian tradition. You should know where it comes from. You should understand where it, where it comes from. Um, it might be scary. It's certainly anxiety inducing. Um, it's a it's it's a thing, you know. But I would encourage you to keep going because there definitely is light on the, on the other side of the tunnel. You can remain a faithful Jesus follower. I would argue in a more faithful way. Um, that's full of repentance <laughs> of all kinds of things, but you might gain some new categories that you weren't aware of um, that might wreck your perception of evangelical Christian thought in America. So it just is what it is. Yeah. And I'm definitely going to have to do a huge preface to this <laughs> episode. Dude, for the Grace <laughs> Baldridge... No, it's all good, man. I love this. But for the Grace Baldridge episode, I, I looked at the time I had to do to preface that episode. It was like a five-minute <laughs> buffer where I was like, guys, 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 okay, it's going to be a doozy. But just just know the the thoughts and views expressed by the guests of Meme Lord Monday <laughs> are not of those... You know, I can do your preface for you in 30 seconds. You ready? Yeah. Here we go. I'll do go it for you it. right now. All right. Okay, so, hey guys, my name is Tim. I'm going to be on this podcast for this episode. Now, I want to let you know, I'm probably not going to, um, you're, you're not going to like what I have to say a lot of times. Now, that's okay, because here's the thing. The Christian thought and Christian tradition is a huge house, and you're in one particular room. I have been in that room that you're in. I have opened the door, and now I'm in a different room, but we're still in the Christian tradition. So what I ask is, you don't have to agree with me, you don't have to see things my way, but please understand that things I'm saying and things that I represent are faithful to the Christian tradition, whether you realize it or not. Thanks for listening, and have a great (laughs) holiday slash Merry Christmas to all you conservatives. I'm going to play Mr. Rogers' theme song underneath that. (laughs) There you go, buddy. Done. Nice and gentle. Thank you so much for that, Tim. Appreciate it. Man, this is so fun. I feel like we could talk for a couple more hours, but I am a married man and uh, my baby 
is sleeping because I don't want to wake him up. So is mine. (laughs) (laughs) I'm 18 months old to sleep. Yeah. But yo, man, like I said, um, appreciate you. Appreciate your ministry. Um, I think those who would disagree with you should come to understand that you are actually being, you, you have a ministry that's helping those that are hurting and you're not telling them what to do and you're not committing yourself to like, you have to be a liberal. You have to be a demon worshiper. You have to commit to heresy. You know what I mean? <laughs> You're doing a good thing. And I appreciate that about you and your page. So thank you so much, man. Seriously. Thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate All it. All right, y'all. Thanks so much for listening. And uh, y'all have a good evening. Hey, y'all. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I know not everybody will agree with what Tim said or what, what I said, whatever. Um, but I appreciate you listening. And that's really all I'm here to do is just, you know, create a, a, a zone, a space, if you will, where we can talk and just hear each other and maybe have a silly goose time along the way. If you liked this episode and you want to hear a lot of the other things we talked about in an unedited episode, you can support us on Supercast. And that link is found in the show notes. That Supercast will give you a link to uh, special episodes and premium content that uh, you will get and other people won't because you will be special. You will be a meme lord just like us. I promise. And uh, yeah, so that link is found in the show notes. And if you want to give us feedback on this episode, if you loved it, if you hated it, send me an email, memesforjesus at gmail.com. And I'd just love to hear your thoughts. But anyways, hope you guys have a great Monday. Bye-bye.